And so these kind of spaces, you typically have your own private rooms, but then there are common spaces that are shared. Um, usually there's a community manager on site who facilitates events and those sorts of things. Um, and you can kind of just hang together on your off days. So usually there's a co-working space on site so you can you know work remotely around other people who are also working remotely. So it keeps you you know motivated to, to keep with the same routines, but then also you have this community of people that you can hang out with in your off time. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Kent Fire Capitalism. I'm your host, Desmond Dixon. I'm a sales mentor, international speaker, drive, you know, traveling the world, building sales teams. And today we have an amazing guest and we're going to talk about all things about business, digital nomadism, co-living, consulting, all the things with this amazing guest. Her name is Leah Zelik. Oh, did I butcher that? Zilliac. Yes. Zilliac. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm still it right. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm still I'm still working on my pronunciations of names, right? Meeting people around the world, but yeah. So just kind of give us a quick background of like you know uh, you know what your background is, and actually like where are you at based right now? Because I feel like every time we talk, we're both in different countries. So where are you at right now, and like you know why are you traveling the world? <laughs> Oh, that's a big question. Yeah. Well, yeah. I am in Buenos Aires right now. I've been here since for the last several months now. It's beautiful. Have you been to Buenos Aires yet? Not yet, but it's on my hot list yeah. for sure. Uh, you should. It's amazing. Yep. Yeah. So I have been traveling as a nomad for almost five years now and have gotten to see a lot of different places. I, I started mostly just as a traveler in the beginning. And then I decided I really loved this and I wanted to keep going. And I started to meet other nomads and it felt like a possibility. So yeah, I, I eventually shifted and got some freelance work and then morphed that into my own business. So that's been a while now. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's like the normal, not say normal path, but I hear um, digital nomads, like they start freelancing in a certain mm -hmm. skill and then that either turns into a business or they just continue to kind of do that. And then maybe stack incomes and all, all types of stuff. So um, I'm just curious, right? So like, what was your, like, like, what's your style of travel, right? So there's so many different types of like nomads. You have, you know, slow travelers, fast travelers, backpackers, event chasers, <laughs> entrepreneurs, <laughs> people who are doing things for residency and visas and things like that. So like, what's kind of your style and what, and, and why is that your style? Yeah, I would say I'm a I'm a slow traveler. I like to stay in a place as long as I'm allowed, typically, if I have the time to. Um, I tend to spend the summers in Europe and then the winters somewhere warmer, which is why I'm in Argentina right now. <laughs> <laughs> chasing the beach, right? Or chasing the sun, chasing the sun, right? The sun, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I, I feel like I haven't um, experienced snow in a long time time <laughs> like i don't even remember what it feels like yeah it's funny yeah i don't um, like that yeah so i gotta ask you this i usually say this for the end but you know since we're since we're you know have itchy feet and, and 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 have these exploration i have to ask you this so um what has been your three favorite places so far like the take your breath away moments like you know mm -hmm. maybe not yeah your take your, your breath away moments like your three top three places of your your travels Oh gosh, that's tough. Um, I would say most recently I was just in Patagonia over Christmas and that was really beautiful. I mean, it's the landscape is just, it looks like it doesn't belong on this planet. So that was definitely a, a 
highlight for sure. Um, last summer or last winter, rather, I spent in Cape Town, which is just such a beautiful city in general. There's just has it all. It's, you know, mountains and ocean and a great community and just beautiful, beautiful surroundings. So um, that one for sure. Um, as far as I guess I always come back to Portugal also as I find a big community there and I love coming back to it. There's just such a great, great vibe there in Portugal. So those are kind of my my top three places, I guess I would say. <laughs> Amazing. I haven't I only been to Portugal and that was only for 10 days. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited to go back. And Cape Town's definitely on my list as well. So that's uh, good you to need hear. to. Yeah, especially this time of year, it's perfect. You know, when it's our our winter there, summer, it's it's the best time of year to be there. Amazing. Okay, so this is pretty interesting. So you've been traveling around, you started freelancing. So like what do you do for work? Um, like how do you make money and like what's what's your jam? Yeah, so I started a business as a consultant for co-living spaces. Uh, when I first started traveling, I, that was how I found community and found found friends along the way. And I just really loved the concept of, of shared living. And so I I had years before when I was working a nine to five job, I worked in the music industry and then I worked on board cruise ships for a few years and mostly in hospitality and events and all those sorts of things. And so when I discovered co-living, I thought I would do consulting in that realm, but take some of the, the best practices from hospitality and, and events that I had done before and implement that into the shared living industry. So that's what I do. I started a business for consulting. Um, right now I, I work for both the digital nomad type spaces, but also the more long-term residential co-living um, and kind of just have become unknown as an expert in that field. And so I do a lot of speaking, a lot of writing, um, but consulting as well. So, Okay. So let's talk about this magic because, you know, being a person that travels and I think accommodation is the third biggest headache, right? Finding mm -hmm. the right place, the right neighborhoods, like that are yep. walkable, that have, you know, the little things. Obviously, I think um, flights and visas are one and two, <laughs> like when to fly and how much and, you know, picking the location. But after you've picked the location, figure out the visa situation, I think accommodation is like the next thing. Because so I just booked a ticket to Spain for April and I'm like, okay, now I got to figure out. <laughs> Where am I laying my head at? Right. And so like why like so so I'm just curious to hear about like your framework. What is co-living, right? Because we might have some people here who, you know, are travel, who do traveling, but are not really aware of co-living. So like kind of explain to us some of the benefits of co-living and and why it's such a, a trending move right now in the, in the market. Yeah. So uh, co-living is essentially shared living, but in recent years, it's become an elevated form of shared living. So it's different than your typical house share. It's different than, you know, student housing or any other type of, of shared living that you might have experienced in the past. Um, typically for the nomad focus spaces, it's meant for those who are working professionals. So it's different than a hostel. It's it's more into, you know, entrepreneurial events, those sorts of things. Um, usually it's people in their 30s, 40s, or even older um, who are working remotely and traveling. So these kind of spaces you typically have your own private rooms, but then there are common spaces that are shared. Um, usually there's a community manager on site who facilitates events and those sorts of things. Um, and you can kind of just hang together on your off days. So usually there's a co-working space on site. So you can, you know, work remotely around other people who are also working remotely. So it keeps you, you know, motivated to to keep with the same routines. But then also you have this community of people that you can hang out with in your off time. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. You have your own private space, but also, you know, 
co-working is done for you, events are done for you, all these sorts of things. So whenever you come to a new city and come to a new place, it feels like a soft landing. You know, you don't have to research as many things and you have this group of people automatically because it takes a while. You know, when you get to a new city and you get to a new place to feel at home and to kind of know everything you need to know and co-living does that for people. So especially for the digital nomad type co-living spaces, it really works to help help travelers like us find a place of a sense of home all around the world and a sense of community. And so we're seeing a lot of digital nomad spaces pop up. They've been popular in Europe and in Asia for a long time, um, but there are more and more of them coming up all the time. And then you're seeing more popping up in in Africa and South America as well. Um, The U.S. is behind, I think, the times and and these sorts of things. But um, yeah, it's a huge trend right now. And and a lot of nomads like us are finding a lot of value in having these these communities around the world. Yeah, Yeah, I could definitely see New York, um, San Diego and Miami, maybe even Austin, move on mm. to the trend, right? Because yeah. I think there's a lot of digital nomads flocking there and obviously in the uh, outdoors. But um, yeah. okay, I got to ask you this selfishly, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Why not, right? What, like, how do you, like, I think my biggest fear from co-living is the work situation, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm leaving Asia this this spring because of the hours. So I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. I, I can't do these late nights anymore with, you yep. know, the US. And so I think workspace, obviously personal space, it sounds like that box is checked because you have your private room. So like, how does the work situation, do you work out of your room or there workstations usually in some of these co-living spaces? Like how does the work situation come, come across? Yep. So most co-living spaces that are meant for nomads will have a co-working space specifically. So they will have a co-working area that's usually, you know, maybe the main level. Um, some of them use the common areas as a workspace. Um, some of them have partnerships with co-working spaces. So that's included in that way. Um, different varieties. But in general, the nomad-focused spaces know the importance of work. And that's kind of the the one huge benefit of, of these types of spaces because they recognize how important that is. So they have fast Wi-Fi. You know, they have backup systems in place if that Wi-Fi goes out, you know, they have quiet spaces, they have social spaces. And so they understand the user a lot better than than your typical Airbnb hotel, those sorts of things. So um, yeah, that's, that's a main perk is that you don't have to worry about the work situation, because they understand what it is that you need. So that's another big reason for people flocking to these sorts of places. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, so let's let's change gears from the entrepreneur hat. Okay, I'll take my digital nomad <laughs> hat off, and we'll put it to the yep. side for a second. And I'll put my entrepreneur hat on. And um, so let's just say that I'm, a, you, you know, there's so many, I feel like there's a lot of digital nomad entrepreneurs and, you know, we love new ventures, right? I feel like most entrepreneurs I meet who travel, yeah, they have their main business, but they have like two or three other like <laughs> side things, either content business or, you know, real estate or, you know, crypto, something else going on. And yep. so let's just say that if there's entrepreneurs that they're listening or, you know, the digital nomads, like, like what are usually the the beginning steps if you're interested in maybe doing co-living, like doing as an investment? Like what's the what's the process like? I guess is it depending on which country it is in? But, you know, talk to me like what if I'm interested in starting my own co-living area, mm-hmm. like what would be my first steps in my process? Yeah, so we see a lot, or I come across a lot of nomads who are interested in starting their own co-living experiences because they've you know had some great ones themselves and think I I want to do this. It sounds like something I could do. And so usually people start start with a pop up experience. So they might you know rent a big house and then try getting people to you know be part of this experience. Maybe it's a week, maybe it's a month, um, and then they kind of see how it goes from there, and then and then continue to build on it. Um, some spaces. Like we'll have a standalone space in which, you know, the 
this is my co-living space. I've you know renovated it, made it perfect, and that takes a lot of investment. But doing this pop-up experience first can really help kind of ease that in and see if it's something that you really want to do, because um, you can get that on-the-ground experience without having a lot of investment. So we see a lot of pop-up co-living experiences that people are doing, especially in places where there might not be a co-living space, and it's a great you know, here in Buenos Aires, there isn't a digital nomad co-living space, but there are tons of nomads here. And I'm really surprised that there aren't more pop-up co-living experiences because it's a great place to do it for one, um, or that there's a standalone co-living here because everyone's kind of craving that sort of that sort of connection there. But typically, yes, first step, I say, try a pop-up experience and then, you know, talk to an expert <laughs> about how you want to continue forward. I typically, my focus with my customers, my clients are with the user experience. So I help them build the experience from start to finish. So looking at the community building techniques, looking at your onboarding systems, you know, how you structure the entire experience from, from beginning to end. So, um, Typically, that's you know what people want to do before they even start a space is decide on the experience and what they want that to look like. So um, that's a big part of it as well. Interesting. You know, it's so funny. I think um, I think customer experience is one of the most underrated things in business. <laughs> like everyone talks about marketing, sales, and and systems. Those are the three things everyone like obsesses yeah. about, but no one obsesses about how can I make this such an enjoyable you know, thing for the people that I'm serving and then everything yep. else will focus itself out. The systems will work itself out. Your sales and marketing work itself out because it's all, it's all like based on that experience. And I think like Steve Jobs crushed it at this, right? With Apple, <laughs> like these, these beautiful phones that we're using, this laptop, we, probably, we probably both have Apple right now, I'm guessing, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like, talk to me about the experiences, right? So like, what are some of the, you know, what, what, like, what are some of the patterns that you notice in terms of, I'm just curious, I never stayed in a co-living yet, but I'm, I'm probably going to do it now after I have this conversation with them. I feel like I should at least try it when I get to Spain. Um, so like, what are some of the, the, you know, some of the feedback or some of the, 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 you know, the, the, the home run, so to speak, in terms of you help a client set up a, a co-living space, like what's some of the feedback from the participants? Yes. So I typically start with customer journey mapping. So we look at the, you know, the entire experience from, from beginning to end, as we mentioned, um, typically the most often missed piece is in the onboarding. So looking at how you welcome people to the space, what that looks like, what day one looks like, the information that you send out to them. Um, typically I recommend people do, you know, neighborhood guides, teaching them more about the area as well. So those sorts of things can really help make a person feel at home. And, you know, the business benefits of this customer experience type work that we do is that, you know, not only do people stay longer when they when they feel at home quicker, but then they return and they tell all of their friends about it. So when we're talking about these co-living experiences, especially for nomads who are constantly talking about these great experiences that they've had and sharing it with their friends, um, you know, the customer experience is key in in all of this, because if you don't get that right, then people aren't going to tell their friends are not going to come back. And so um, I think mostly what I try to get right is, you know, the boring piece is the onboarding. No one thinks that's super exciting because, you know, it's the paperwork and all the things you need to do to, to make a person, you know, arrive at your space and know how to get there. But those are really the most important pieces is laying that all out so that people can more easily feel at home within your space. Um, but I also work in community building, which is a little more fun as far as 
what your event structure looks like, how you want that experience to be, the living experience, um, how do you connect the people within your space, and how do you keep them connected after they've left. So all these little things kind of work to make a memorable experience. And that's what, you know, co-living is all about. It's just about the experience because, you know, you can live in an Airbnb by yourself and that's fine if that's what you want to do, but you come to co-living for the experience that you're going to have. And, you know, we'll find that people will, you know, will go all over the world specifically for a certain co-living experience, which I think is really cool. You know, you might not have thought of a destination before, but there's a co-living space and you heard someone had an awesome time when they were there. So I'm going to go to this random little town in the middle of nowhere, Spain, because there's a really cool community and I'm, you know, paying for that experience versus just a place to live. And that's the difference between co-living and traditional, you know, shared housing or shared roommates situation. Yeah. Wow. What, man, you got, you, I think everything happens for a reason. And that was, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, I think I'm for sure going to sign up for um, a co-living in Barcelona. Um, okay. So let's, so let's take, so we, we, we got our entrepreneur, we got your entrepreneur hat now. It's right next to our digital nomad hat. And so like, I'm more interested in Leah, right? Because you're in such an incredible niche and it's an expanding market. So like, I guess, talk to me about your, like your entrepreneur, your personal entrepreneur journey. So like, what's been some of the biggest lessons you learned, like being, you know, doing this for the last few years, like what's some of your, your biggest lessons? Um, I think just getting started for me, you know, and when I started traveling, I knew that I wanted to do it long term and I wasn't sure how to become a nomad. It just felt really heavy and difficult about how to, you know, how am I going to start a business and fund myself and pay my bills? And for me, it was just a matter of, you know, doing some, some freelance work to get started. I worked in social media for a while and I just helped a friend's marketing company do some work here and there. And that kind of you know, paid my bills for a little while and then slowly built up into what I really wanted to do, which I knew pretty earlier on was, was in co-living and, you know, just continuing to build from there. For me, I started, you know, just posting ideas on Instagram and on LinkedIn and taking what I had learned in other industries and shifting it into co-living because there weren't really people, many people doing what I did at that time. And so there wasn't really a traditional model for me to follow, like, oh, I should be like this person and offer these types of services and do this. There, that didn't really exist. So for me, it was a matter of just jumping in there and seeing what the, you know, the industry needed and what people were asking for, and then creating my business around those pain points. Amazing. Yeah. I love that you said just like getting started. I think that it's, su it's super easy to sit in a dark room and not do the work, like not just, just be in action and like let the market help you get there faster. Um, so that was, that was, that was fire. I think that was, that landed, right? So if you're listening here, it doesn't matter if you were, whatever stage you're at, like just be in action, right? And uh, know when to obviously push, push on the gas, when to push on the brakes. Um, it's funny. I'd shout out to a friend, <laughs> send a voice message to that today. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. So, all right, I got to ask you this now. Let's, let's put, I'm gonna put my digital nomad hat back on. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're just juggling, right? It's a circus over here. Right. Um, yeah. so, okay. So what are the three? So let me ask you this. This is good. This is a really good question. Cause you have insider knowledge being a consultant and this is me once again, selfishly asking and also for the, for the audience, little tidbits. What do you think, what three markets do you think are the most up and coming around the world, right? That you see that there's like a huge trend um, that are like up and coming cities. Just interesting. Three, three, give me three. Up and coming cities or up and coming trends? 
I guess the trend is the city. So like, what are some rising star cities for digital ah, nomads okay. or remote workers? Yeah. Gotcha. Oh gosh. There are many. I mean, in, in general, Buenos Aires has been a, a nomad hub for a little while, but it's really, really taking off in, in recent years. I highly recommend it for people. It's great for people who are working us hours, but also for European hours. I didn't realize how far East it was. It's East of, of New York time zone. So it's, I think three hours different from London and two hours from New York, which is, makes it ideal for a lot of American nomads or people who are based in the U S um, let's see what other spaces, uh, Bansko, Bulgaria is a big one that people are really thriving to. Again, that one's been around for a while, but it's more and more people are, are hearing about that. It's, um, in the middle of Bulgaria, this little mountain town, there's a plethora of co-working spaces and co-living spaces popping up as well. And people go to Bensko for the skiing in the winter. And then in the summer there are, you know, hiking and beautiful nature and all those sorts of things. So that's definitely a big one. Um, we're at Cape Town, as I mentioned, that's a, a big hot spot as well. Um, I came down there last winter and there were quite a few people there, but then this, this winter there was another nomad based conference that was held there and that brought in a lot more people as well. So I saw tons of my friends heading there that this past winter, and I think it's going to continue. You know, I think everyone, you know, missed out on Asia for so long with COVID that everyone kind of flocked there in general. But then it, it gave a lot of these other cities a chance to really thrive in the winter because nomads can only really pick one continent in the winter or they tend to. So it's either Africa, South America or Asia if you're looking for for sun and snow, sun and warm weather. So I think yeah, a lot of these other cities outside of Asia are also really becoming these massive nomad hubs. So especially the, the winter destinations. Yeah, that's that was that was fire. Yeah, I'll be in Bankso for. Uh, I'm planning on going to the uh, the conference out there um, in nice. June. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you'll probably be there as well. I'm guessing, right or no? Probably. Yeah, I kind of have a home base ish there, so I'll be there for the summer. But I'm not sure if I'll be there for in time for Nomad Fest. I spoke last year at, at the event, and I came the year before as well. So it's a cool place. Definitely fun to meet people because everyone seems to congregate there at the same time. And then you have these friends from all over the world because they all scatter. And then it's it's cool to see the people that you meet up with. I've <laughs> met two two or three different people here in Buenos Aires that I met in Bansko in the last several years. So they pop up everywhere. <laughs> it's fire. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Okay. So before we wrap up, um, I have two questions to ask you. I know, I know. I keep asking you these top three, but I feel like these are these are gold mines, right? Because these are actionable things. Um, I, I got three questions, not two. So the first question is going to be: um, Do you have any recommended books or um, like anything that someone should read or consume if they're like looking to become an entrepreneur or a digital nomad? Like, what's what's something you'll recommend? Oh, gosh, I would need to think. I mean, I think everyone, every nomad reads the four hour work week, and that's kind of inspired them to become nomads. That's where everyone kind of started. Uh, it was for me, you know, when it came out years and years ago, that was what I thought first made me think about the idea of traveling full time. Um, as far as current ones, I really I can't think of any that I have read recently that I'd recommend. But if I think of anything, we can put it in the notes. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Second to last. Um, What are three places you haven't been to yet that you're looking forward to going to? Mm, um, Let's see. I definitely want to go to India at some point. Um, Maybe possibly this year. We'll see where the where the winter takes us. Um, Where else? 
Um, more of Africa. I spent last winter in, ten- in between Tanzania and Cape Town, so I would like to spend, spend some more time there. Um, and lots of Asia I definitely haven't seen yet that I'd like to. So I think the, the plan is to spend the winter in Asia, head from Bulgaria, keep moving east until it gets warm is the plan. <laughs> Chasing the sun. Amazing. Yeah, and, yeah. and so I guess like just we'll wrap up with like, so just walk us through like, what is it like to work with you and, um, you know, how people can find you and uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn or on Instagram. I'm co-living consultant, um, on Instagram and all my socials. So you can find me on any, any of those. I also, uh, my partner and I have a booking platform for co-living spaces for digital nomads called colivingcompass.com. So you can go to colivingcompass.com and it'll show you all the, the top spaces for digital nomads that I recommend. Um, yeah, find me anywhere. Leah Ziliak. <laughs> Boom. You know what I'm going to be on after this podcast is codelivingcompass.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for coming on the show. This was, uh, this was awesome. Thank you for bringing awareness to the co-living space and just sharing some of your, your journeys around the world. That was awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. So guys, congratulations. Once again, you made it to the end of the show and we appreciate you for giving your most precious resource on the planet, which is your time. And we'll see you at the next campfire. Bye-bye. Bye.